where three women with names discuss movies that are about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. On today's episode of Paid in Puke, we're talking about Mark Waters' 1997 movie, The House of Yes, based on the play by Wendy McLeod, which is in turn based on Edgar Allan Poe's The Fall of the House of Usher. Yeah. Fun fact right out of the gate. <laughs> it stars Parker Posey, Josh Hamilton, Tori Spelling, and Freddie Prince Jr. The House of Yes tells the story of a mentally unbalanced Jackie O-obsessed woman who gets pushed over the edge when her twin brother brings his fiancé home for Thanksgiving. Marty Pascal is bringing his new fiancé home for the holidays. I hear his car. There's only one problem. He hasn't told his twin sister. Leslie and I are engaged. (laughs) Did you give your sister her medication? Her name is Jackie. Did Marty tell you about me? How you were. How's that? She lives in a White House. When I came out of the room, Jackie's hand was holding Marty's And she's got her own ideas about family values. It's the wildest place you've ever made love. I can't talk like that about your brother. Pretend he's not my brother, I do. Marty, you're home. Now, she's about to put her house in order. She doesn't seem like Marty's type. You're getting married, Jackie. The phone's dead. Don't look at me. Are you spying on us? Mother doesn't spy. A mother pays attention. Miramax Films presents the smash hit of the Sundance Film Festival. One more time, Marty, for all time's sake. Jackie can have everything her way she always has. Parker Posey, the house of yes. I'm going to go baste the turkey and hide the kitchen lights. I think goodness gracious, we're I thought it held up as well as I remembered, but it wasn't like better than I remembered, if that makes I remember uh, Freddie Prince Jr. being very stilted in an annoying and distracting way. That was one of my main takeaways, other than Parker Posey being really good. And I still felt that pretty hard, Freddie Prince Jr. being very (laughs) stilted. What did it look like? It looked like a hairbrush, like a brush you brush your hair with. Was it pink? Yes, it was pink, goddammit. It was pink. It was pink and now it's gone. I have a comb. I don't want a comb. I want a brush. Comb straighten your hair out. I want it to gleam. It is gleaming. It is not. It is. It is. I need sunglasses almost. Yeah. That's one of my hot props. Um. Shut up. Hot props is on. Oh, shit, yeah. I thought there was a big gap in acting quality with Parker Posey and the twin, Josh. Josh Hamilton. Those two sizzled and crackled and all of that, and then Freddie Prince Jr. and Tori Spelling were not at all on the same level. Especially, Mm -hmm. Freddie Prince Jr. is definitely the weakest link, but it was such a stark difference. Those two were really on, and then Tori and Freddie, it was 
Yeah. The mom was good, too, I thought, but she just had such a small role. She was barely there. But, like, I actually thought Tori Spelling was the best Tori Spelling could possibly be. I've never seen her be any better than that. You're making him crazy. You want to make him crazy like you? Look at yourself. Look at your clothes. You're making fun of a woman who lost her husband. A man died. A man who was murdered. A man who did something for other people. What have you ever done for somebody else? You really love Marty? Think about what his life will be like here in this house. Your mom will die. You'll be left alone. You'll have babies with webbed feet you have to bury out back in the yard. Even Josh Hamilton, he has chemistry because she has chemistry with him and not really vice versa. I don't know. It's like he's just a prop for her one-woman show, basically. It really does feel like everybody else in that movie is a prop, except for the mom. She's like a pretty full-fledged character. I wish there were more of her... Yeah, I thought she had some really good lines and she really brought it. Yeah, Josh Hamilton, I felt like he had such chemistry with Parker Posey and probably it was mostly because of her and I thought their dialogue together was so sharp and then whenever he's with Tori Spelling, I'm kind of like, first of all, he's being such a terrible boyfriend. Yes. (laughs) And he does not have a lot of charisma. He's average looking. Why would she be into this guy at all? Why, like, why kind of, why would anyone be into this guy? He's not even a deal breaker when she finds out that he fucked his sister, you know? (laughs) Even that, like, he's been awful. As soon as they get there, he's like, let's leave. That's pretty terrible. And... You know, she's concerned about making an impression on his family and meeting them. And he's like, oh, why don't we just take off? Why are you putting her in this position? Yeah. Well, he's just 100% using her to try and break away and be a normal person. But he's not capable of it. But she is absolutely a pawn in his attempt to distance himself from the family. And that's the only reason he brings her there. And it's pretty fucked up. He's a pretty terrible guy. (laughs) He's actually the worst person in this movie. (laughs) I think. (laughs) And their mom killed their dad. Yeah, I think he deserves what he gets, and I don't like him. I feel really bad for Tori Spelling. I think it's because she is... I don't think that Jackie's just being mean when she says she's a donut queen. She's definitely from the other side of the tracks, and she just kind of alludes to some pretty bad relationships with men. You've never... No. It's not that big a tragedy. I mean, unless you're with exactly the right person. It's not that great. It's not that great? No. Like, if they smoke, they taste like ashes, you know? Or they, like, stick their tongue in your ear so much you get, like, chapped ears. <laughs> wow. Or they're just big liars and will say anything to get in bed with you. So, probably Marty's the first nice guy, seemingly nice, quote-unquote nice guy that she's dated. So she probably wants to hang on to him because she thinks he's nice. And so much so that she's in denial when it's revealed that he isn't really very nice. She's like, oh, I just need to get him away from this family. Like, he was normal and nice before. And he only started being fucked up when we got here. So I just need to get him out of here so that we can be back to normal again. Yeah, I can see that. Also, it seemed like they were maybe trying to do a parallel of how people idolize the Kennedys, even though they're a pretty dysfunctional family. And then mm-hmm. she's lower class wrong side of the tracks. They idolize rich people. People idolize rich people from the outside. And then you get in and they're also like, a, I don't know if they were trying to do something like that. Oh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely think that there's like a literary subtext 
element to this. It definitely feels like a play. It 100% feels like something I would have read in college. I didn't, but... <laughs> and that's kind of why when Freddie Prince Jr. is doing his bit, I'm like, I really feel like this is a college play right now. I feel like I'm in a, an acting 101 class with this guy <laughs> who's like the best actor in the class. And that's why he got this major role. JFK actually was a pretty terrible person, <laughs> too. Yeah, I don't think highly of the Kennedys at all. They're like an overall douchey, mm-hmm. spoiled, playboy family. I'm sure there are, like, good Kennedys. <laughs> like, not all Kennedys, but... Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not the Grey Garden side. <laughs> yeah, or, like, it's the closest thing we have to royalty in this country. And but royalty is cool. stupid, so... <laughs> yeah, I know. There's some weird fascination with them still. Yeah, to the point where like every new famous family gets compared to them. They get compared to the royal family, but the Kardashians are like the Kennedys. That's so wild. The Kennedys are like the Beatles of fucked up famous families. Taylor Swift was dating some Kennedy. I don't remember who. She sort of like dressed a little like Jackie. And I forget when that was. It was like a long time ago, but... Yeah, there's some sort of mythical thing about them. It feels kind of cultish and creepy. Because I think there is something to that where you have to conform to their ideology about propriety. But then really they're manipulative and philandering and terrible. Or, yeah, philandering and then, like, leaving someone to drown and not go get help, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, right. And having having mistresses killed. Right. I feel like it's barely a conspiracy theory anymore that they had... Marilyn Monroe murdered. It's very believable, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Who do we think killed JFK? <laughs> well, we're on the subject. Just kidding. We don't have to. We don't have to go <laughs> <laughs> through the looking glass. I did think it was hilarious that she would get dressed up in the Jackie outfit with blood on her. <laughs> I think that's like actually really funny. Blood and macaroni, tastefully. Oh, tastefully. I know for the brains. I thought that yeah. was really. A cool detail. It's a good Halloween costume. Not too soon anymore, you know. Come on, it was 50 years ago. I mean, in this movie, it's only 20 years ago, but... Yeah, I really had to sit down and think about the timeline, because it just seemed weird to me. Like, I had to figure out, I had to know how old they were supposed to be. What were they, like, 14 in 1963? Right, yeah. That is something that's a little clunky. I think it sort of, like, artificially takes place in 1983, just... Because she wants her characters to be in their, like, mid-late 20s and remember the Kennedy assassination. I mean, it doesn't feel like it's 1983 for any other reason than that. Yeah. Well, I suppose it doesn't. I mean, it's written purposefully to be, well, not timeless, but it exists outside the rest of the world. It's just in this house. Right. So it won't seem outdated necessarily. Or like a period piece. Like a painfully 80s period piece. Yeah, it's good because I always feel like any other time period if a movie's set in it it's like okay there are details that show that it's this time period and then whenever something is set in the 80s it just like hits you over the head with it it's like <laughs> look at my Rubik's Cube and my swatch and my you know it's like okay got it it is the 80s yeah, yeah. Stranger like Things it. is a little bit like that <laughs> yeah that was one of the things I didn't like about that show why I didn't stick with it it felt so calculated this is to appeal to Gen Xers look at all this 80s stuff Remind me of, in a few ways, of Royal Tenenbaums. You know, Royal Tenenbaums, it's like they all dress, not retro, but it was like they stopped developing at some point when a traumatic thing happened. And I felt the same way then, like they all had this dated look because they hadn't grown past a certain point. 
What do you think is up with uh, the brother, Anthony? Is that Freddy Prince Jr.? Yeah. Because I thought it was going to be that he was their child, but then I was like, no, the math isn't going to work on that. But he's just so weird. So extra weird. Right. I thought he was just like, he grew up in this really weird, highly dysfunctional family. And then also to be on the outside of your siblings in that way. That made sense to me. He was just sort of odd man out in his own life. And then he definitely left college. It seemed like he felt like he needed to take care of his sister because his brother had moved to New York. He had this sense of obligation to his family in a weird way, even though he didn't know about the incest with the twins, but he's definitely always felt like the outsider. Right. Do you think he really didn't know or just didn't let himself know? Yeah, I think he probably must have suspected, but just didn't have it confirmed. And so because it wasn't confirmed, he was like, well, we don't have to, we don't have to jump to conclusions. I wonder if he felt like he got his time to shine finally when Marty went to college and he was like, now I get to be tapped in to be her caretaker. But he didn't seem like all that resentful when Marty came back and she immediately forgot all about him. I don't know. He seemed more like, okay, this is interesting. I can swoop in and bone Marty's girlfriend. Right. There's a lot of interesting dynamics going on. <laughs> yeah. That didn't make as much sense to me that they got together like that. That felt kind of contrived. Yeah. Her character didn't make all that much sense. She made sense sometimes, but then she had that whole thing where she wouldn't go downstairs until she could find her shoes. Like, no one's asking you to go outside. Just go downstairs. And I get that she was making excuses, but at the same time, I'm like, that's a dumb excuse. Just say you're scared to go. I don't know. Right. It just seemed yeah. like a weird thing to harp on. Yeah, that was my big hot problem that she and Anthony got together. It seemed a little far-fetched, I thought. And then he was so creepy with her. Yeah, like, well, I mean, he was creepy before and, like, then. Was like, I can't see this going forward, you know? Right. Yeah, and then she was like, well, I only slept with you because you look like Marty. No, he doesn't. He does right. not look anything like Marty. They were not casting for looks in this particular situation. Nobody looks related at all in that family. <laughs> I was wondering also, is her name really Jackie? Or is that just what they call her because she wants to be called that and they're placating her? Yeah, I thought her name was really Jackie and then she started calling herself Jackie O. That's what I thought. I yeah. don't think anyone ever called her a different name. I guess another hot prop for me is that it's not the most nuanced or sensitive portrayal of mental illness. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, I have that as a hot prop that it's very movie mental illness. You know? <laughs> yeah. I had a friend a long time ago who was a nurse in a mental hospital, and that was a thing that really bugged him. He said Brad Pitt in 12 Monkeys is very movie mental illness. And this, too, like comes across as someone who's trying to seem crazy. It didn't feel like any actual mental illness issue, you know? Yeah. More like someone who's just sort of into being real high maintenance. Yeah. And for the most part, I thought she was giving it as much nuance as she could. But there were just a couple moments where she was, yeah, like, going full 12 monkeys. <laughs> as you say. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> it takes you out of it a little bit. I mean, it helps that it's kind of like dark humor and a little bit of a high camp element to it. Oh, my. Good evening. Good evening. Is that an evening dress? I don't know. It certainly looks like an evening dress. It's very pretty. Well, I dress for dinner. Would you like a glass of Libra Milch? 
No, thank you. I'll just have a glass of wine. That's the name of the wine. Oh, <laughs> I don't speak French. Who does? You do. Oh, that's right, I do. So what does that name mean? In French? I think it means something German. Oh. That kind of forgives it a little bit, but sometimes it bothered me. Marty, Jackie O wants a drink drink. Let's drink rum and Pepsi out of styrofoam cups. Come on, Anthony, darling. Let's drink rum and Pepsi out of styrofoam cups. Bring me some ice. <laughs> oh, we're out of ice. How can we be out of ice? Mama forgot to refill the trays. I gave you the last cue. She's got a stash somewhere. I know it. The Pepsi's already cold. It's not the same. I'm not talking about ice. I'm talking about texture. I'm talking about texture. In the last hurricane, we had ice. Mama and Daddy had a bucket of ice and a cooler down the hall. We just marched down the hall whenever we had a yet for ice. <laughs> I think that's a legit hot prop. I think Leslie says to her somewhat like, you're not crazy, you're just spoiled or something, or no one says no to you. I don't think you're insane. I think you're just spoiled. And really she doesn't even really deny it. <laughs> it's just kind of like, you're more bratty than have any actual mental health issue. She uses it as an excuse to get what right. she wants, right? She's really more just homicidal. <laughs> I don't think that there's any connection to borderline personality disorder and being a murderer. She just is a murderer, and her mom is a murderer. Oh god, her mom was so... Yeah. I mean, she was saying the twins belong together and telling Leslie, you should be lucky that you didn't get hurt by Jackie. It's so bizarre. She's mm -hmm. encouraging this incestuous relationship and it's a really unhealthy kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> Very unhealthy. <laughs> and then I kind of felt like the brother, Marty, was a little bit... Like, Parker Posey's character seemed a lot more vulnerable than him, and I thought there was something very uncomfortable about the brother taking advantage of his twin sister. It seemed like she vitally needed him in this very unhealthy way. I was just kind of like, ah, is he taking advantage of her, or is they both mentally ill? I kind of felt like he was as drawn to her as she was to him but that he was more aware of how fucked up and wrong it was i thought he was as into her as she was into him but there was a big part of him that was like this is fucked up and i like i want to be a normie basically you yes know? so i go meet this normie girl and i want so much to just have this normal life with her it's almost like somebody closeted has a heterosexual marriage, you know, it's like that's not how they really feel, but it's the life they think they're supposed to have. Yeah, I think that's true. It makes you wonder how much he's aware of what he's doing, because it's clearly an attempt at being normal, but does he really think that he has feelings for Leslie? I don't think he does. When he's talking to Jackie and she says something like, it's a girl like that on every block or whatever she says he's like yeah and i picked this one there are women just like her all over the city i know that but this one belongs to me i have chosen to love her it wasn't thrust upon me by destiny i think he acknowledges there is nothing really special about her but that's one i picked and that's mm -hmm. but then why does he bring her there clearly the only way to escape it is to not ever go back there yeah right that's a great question. I don't, uh, yeah. Maybe like a closure thing or something? I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting that it's like they're the Kennedys and she really believes she's embodied 
Jackie Kennedy and their bond is like no other bond and we're so special and they're not just anyone they're the Kennedys and they're twins I don't know what I'm trying to say like how could any other relationship if you think this is so mythical and special how do you ever expect reality to measure up or, or just normalcy yeah. I mean, that might be why he brings her home is because that's a normal thing to do. It's all part of trying on normal life. You're engaged. You bring your fiance home mm-hmm. for Thanksgiving. Like, obviously, she's going to be like, when am I going to meet your family? But that's where you say you're not. It seems like she would understand having something to be ashamed of because she seemed to feel ashamed a little bit of her background, right? So why wouldn't he bond with her over that? Like, you know, you're ashamed of your family. Well, I'm ashamed of my family. Let's not go see our families. (laughs) (laughs) I've definitely had to bring people into fucked up family situations, but never like this. This is obviously way up there. But there's things you have to warn people about. Like, I definitely had to warn people about my mom. (laughs) so i don't know i guess it's part of the deal the whole camelot thing is so dumb because i mean they were really rich and i guess jackie was so stylish and everybody wanted to be like her there's so many tragedies and fucked up things in that family that happened it's really weird how that mythology still exists about them I think one of the kennedys died recently right she went missing with her son and it new or something oh yeah really i didn't hear about that who which one i don't know the family is so huge but it's like <laughs> it's a granddaughter of maybe rfk's granddaughter yeah bobby kennedy and his wife had 11 kids i think there are so many kennedy descendants even just from them and then the shrivers too <laughs> oh right oh my god i totally forgot about that yeah Catherine schwarzenegger married chris pratt Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, she's pregnant yeah. i just heard yeah i guess i can see that sort of jesus-y americana yeah you get elevated to mythical levels when you have tragedy his assassination and then rfk i don't think there would be quite so much kennedy mythology if those two things hadn't happened you know i mean that's pretty big yeah <laughs> there's like video of it you know and i mean that's a very iconic moment yeah it is. I mean, there's a lot of episodes of television written about it. A lot of media written about it. It is a big deal. It's interesting to think about. That's kind of our country in a nutshell, too, is to have people who are big symbols of America and Americana and what it is, but really this a lot of dark secrets and nothing's yeah. what it seems and i guess it makes sense that they're like the most american family they really are <laughs> yeah that's what america's all and they're rich and white and <laughs> that's what america's all about Ugh. next call so in the movie did the mom kill the dad on the same day of the assassination it sounded like parker posey totally knew that the dad's buried in the backyard mom killed him I was just wondering, was there any way she could have confused the two events? Because it sounded like the brother was covering up for the mom and saying, no, remember, this happened to dad, or, you know, that didn't happen. Marty, where do you think we should bury these babies with webbed feet? The backyard's getting rather crowded with corpses, first daddies, and now duck babies. You killed your father? Not me, mama. My father left my mother years ago, the day Kennedy was shot. 
He tried to leave, but Mama shot him. We buried him by the central air. They were installing central air. There was a hole in the ground, but not for him, for the air conditioner. She's confused. You're confused, Jackie. He left Mama. He called a cab. She covered him with her body. She tried to keep him there. Jackie Kennedy, not Mama. Jackie Kennedy. She tried to keep his head on, but it was falling off. Leslie, go get my suitcase. Leslie? Sorry about all this. I just wondered what you guys thought about that. If maybe like the mom and the brother tried to make her get confused with the assassination hmm. and the murder of the dad. That's interesting. I only thought that literally what happened was that the mom killed the dad. The dad tried to leave. I always assumed too it was connected to them fucking. He found out that they were together. And the mom, like, defended them, and then the dad was trying to leave, and then the mom killed him. That was my interpretation. And then, for some reason, Marty was in denial all that time about it. The whole thing being that Marty's already been in denial about a lot of things. It makes sense that he would also be delusional about this, and they're trying to make the point that the person that everyone thinks is crazy is actually the most sane person in the movie, and you know, that kind of idea. <laughs> That was how I saw it. There's no definitive reason for me thinking that way. So, I mean, I guess you could... Maybe it is one of those things where it's supposed to be a little open-ended. Yeah. It was my first time seeing it, so I wasn't sure oh, really? if I was understanding okay. it at all. <laughs> what do you think, Amy? I grew up in a family soaked in denial. Growing up, there was, like, the one sibling who was the one who would actually mention the elephant in the room. So it's always believable to me in movies when denial happens, like, that this could be going on basically under everyone's nose, and it's just like, you know what? We want to act like that's not happening. So, yeah, I mean, I just think it's one of those things where it's like, on some level, he knows what really happened that day. On some level, the brother knows that the twins are fucking, and it's just too hard to acknowledge that and deal with it. So, I'm just gonna go with dead left. I thought it was kind of funny that Anthony was very indignant. Not only that they have an incestuous relationship, but you're twins. Like, that somehow makes a difference when you're. <laughs> In an incestuous relation. Right. Brother and sister. That's a good point. But you're twins, not only. If anything, being twins is more of an. Like in the pro column. Right. Like they should just play it off. Like, yeah, that's a twin thing. You wouldn't understand. Right. Well, the whole thing about her coming out of the womb with her hand on his dick. And then also Marty had some weird justification to Leslie about sleeping with his sister as if it was like a form of masturbation or something. He's like, if I was masturbating and you walked in, is that infidelity? Yeah, well, he's just being a shitty boyfriend, trying to make it seem like she's being crazy for being upset that he was fucking his sister. Yeah, I feel she is not nearly as upset as she should be. That, to me, that's not something like, all right, let me hear you out. Right? Because she knows what she saw. She's not saying, like, oh, maybe I didn't see that. No, that's what she saw. She knows that she did. It is weird that she hangs around and wants to forgive him. If only he would say the right thing. Right. Wants him to come with her. I know. I would be out of that house so fast. I'm getting the hell out of here. (laughs) Well, she does go upstairs and start packing. 
But she's doing it real slowly. Like, she really does want him to come find her, and she really does seem like she doesn't want to leave without him. Right, like, she's begging, but she wants him to come with her. Yeah, it's interesting. I can't think of another movie that I've seen Tori Spelling in. It's really just been this and 90210. I think this was sort of her bid for movie stardom. And it didn't go well. (laughs) Because I remember there being a hubbub about it. Like, oh, Tori Spelling's in this indie movie. Let's see what she can do. I mean, I didn't think she was that bad, but I guess there were enough other actors that were better. They were like, we don't really need to see any more of that. Yeah, I thought she was fine, but it's not really her show, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Definitely not. And she didn't give the impression that she could carry a movie by any means. Oh, I was wondering how much younger Anthony was than them, though. I couldn't really yeah, gauge I that. The age, I didn't get how old the twins are supposed to be. Well, I did some math. They're like 14-ish in 1963, then they would be in their mid-30s. Okay. So did that come up that they were 14 when... I don't know if 14 was a number that they said, or if it was just how old that Rachel Lee Cook looks to me, or what, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not even sure how old she actually is in that movie, but they're teenagers, but they're not old teenagers. Oh, okay. That makes sense, yeah. I don't know. I didn't put it together that Rachel Lee Cook was in 1963. Yeah, maybe that wasn't the day. I feel like the voiceover was kind of implying that that was the day that Kennedy died. I'll always remember that day. Marty and I had just turned 14, and we went to an Ides of March party. And I went as Jackie Onassis in a pink Chanel suit and a pillbox hat and blood on my dress. Well, ketchup, actually, and other stuff, too, like macaroni kind of glued on like brains. It was more tasteful than it sounds. Everybody remembers that day exactly what they were doing. I mean, that does make more sense. But then she already did put the brains on, she said, so... She already knew he died, so I don't know if it was afterwards. After that happened, she was immediately like, let's go let's go reenact it? I don't know. I guess I, you're right. Maybe that wasn't supposed to be 1963. Or maybe, like, the mom killed the dad the night that they went to that party? I thought it was interesting. It was an Ides of March party. Who has Ides of March party? <laughs> oh, you're right. It was an Ides of March party. So then it couldn't have been the Kennedy assassination day because that happened in November. So it was in March. (laughs) Okay, so it was later. Not later that year, but could have been a couple years later. I don't know. You're right. So then I guess they could be anywhere from like mid-20s to mid-30s. I guess it doesn't really matter all that much, but for some reason I'm really hung up on how old everyone is. Yeah, well, I think that they said that Anthony was, he dropped out of freshman year. So maybe that would have put him at 18 or 19. He just dropped out? I think so. Hmm. I don't, I don't yeah. know. I mean, he's sure. playing a high school student two years later, and she's all that, so. <laughs> <laughs> With Rachel Lee Cook. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, it was Rachel Lee Cook. <laughs> That's so weird. I know, they don't share any scenes. That's just kind of a funny Hollywood proximity, I guess. <laughs> right. Well, and then she and Parker Posey are both in Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah. That's <laughs> weird. I liked the scene where Leslie's like, I used to play piano. And then she can barely do chopsticks. And then the twins get on and it's like this crazy medley of classical music. And like, <laughs> yeah. like totally gelling and doing this complicated duet. I remember that. I used to take lessons. 
Can I have an at bat? Yeah, that's a very Royal Tenenbaums kind of moment. I did laugh out loud when Tori Spelling's playing the piano right after saying yeah. she can play piano. I'm like, no, you cannot. I don't think anyone's actually playing anything because you don't ever see the piano itself. So it's good sound design right there. <laughs> and good pretend piano playing when Parker Posey and Josh Hamilton sit down because <laughs> they're really moving their fingers. I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. Practically everything the mom said, I ended up writing down. Like when she says, I look at you people and I wonder how you ever fit in my womb. <laughs> I feel that one. You look thin, are you thin? You look so thin. Oh my God, I sounded like a mother. Didn't I sound just like a mother? You are a mother. I know, but I still can't believe it. I look at you people and wonder how ever did you fit in my womb. Another one I feel hard is you can die a slow death from being snipped at year after year. Martin, a word. A word, Mama, or many words? Oh, no, don't get snippy, Marty. You've been in this house exactly 37 seconds, and you're already snippy. It's no wonder your father died young. He simply had it with all his snippiness. A person can die a slow death from being snipped at year after year, the way he said salad when he meant solid. Freddie Prince Jr. does have a line that I like and relate to as the youngest of five kids when he said, all the good stuff happened before I got born. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I've never been to a hurricane before. Have you? Yes. When? I was before you were born. We went to Virginia Beach and our motel was right in the water. Mom and Dad were drinking rum and Pepsi out of styrofoam cups and giggling. All the good stuff happened before I got born. And then I really, I did really like, even though she's being super bitchy to her, but when Leslie says she's never been to D.C. before, and Jackie was like, not even on the fifth grade field trip. <laughs> I really like that. Tell me, Leslie, have you ever been to Washington before? <clears throat> no. Not even on a field trip? Not even on a fifth grade field trip? No. I mean, my class went, but I didn't go. In fifth grade, really? Sixth, sixth grade. So you just snubbed it? You just snubbed your nation's capital? Uh, my parents wouldn't let me go. What's their number? And again, she's being super bitchy, but when she realizes that she grew up poor, she was like, did you eat chicken pot pie? They didn't have the money. What a lie. How much could it have cost? Too much. Were you poor? Did you eat chicken pot pies? Pancakes. A lot of pancakes. Very mean, but I also felt like it was sort of pure. Like, is that something that poor people do, you know? <laughs> or that she'd always thought that was what poor people did, so she was like, confirm this for me. You see it more, I think, the other way around. In movies and TV, there's things that poor people think of as rich people stuff. Like kind drinking of out of goblets and that sort of thing. <laughs> right. And then I liked when someone said, it's been a long day, and Jackie says, not as long as yesterday. Yesterday was 24 hours. <laughs> been a long day not as long as yesterday yesterday was 24 hours i met with traveling and all it's no easier staying in one place the way she delivered that line was fantastic yes i remember that delivery that was very good it was like a manic line that she delivered in a way that made it sound not so manic i liked her line about goo is what makes it tape instead of paper that made me yeah. laugh a lot who taped up the windows i did i saw it on the news that tape tapes goo it goos up the windows Goo is what tape is all about. 
Goose that makes it tape instead of paper. And she's so like exasperated when she says it. Kind of like, God, mom. And then um, I like when she mom. says it was more tasteful than it sounds about her outfit with the macaroni brains on it. Because it really is rather tasteful. I mean, it's a very cute outfit. <laughs> I mean, it's Chanel. Never goes in style. <laughs> I can't remember if this was Jackie or her mom who said about Leslie to Marty, do you love her for any particular reason? My fiancé here, why? I love her, and I'm just trying to follow procedure. Do you love her for any particular reason? There's just a lot of good shade throwing, even though I feel bad for Leslie. <laughs> like, they're really good at doing that. Oh, and I also liked, again, the mom. When she says a mother doesn't spy, a mother pays attention. Ooh. Are you spying on us? Mother doesn't spy. A mother pays attention. I like the mother's line, people raise cattle, children just happen. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that one down. Jackie can have everything her way she always has. Is that how you raise them? People raise cattle, children just happen. They don't just happen. You can read Dr. Spark from now till doomsday, but children just happen all the same. This one has blue eyes and that one's insane. She really left them to their own devices. There's also a lot of truth in that because it's kind of like kids come out how they come out, and you can try and mold them all you want, but some yeah. of them don't mold, you know. <laughs> I kind of enjoyed the repartee with the twins, where Jackie O's like, "So she's a donut queen or something," and then are we with royalty? And he's like, "Well, she's more of a donut lady in waiting." I don't know. I thought it was just a funny conversation about her. There's this thing I've heard, and if I thought for one second it was true, I'd probably kill myself. Does your fiancé work in a donut shop? A donut king, actually. A donut king? So is she like the queen? Are we entertaining royalty? She would be more like a donut lady-in-waiting. So she's sort of a, a marginal donut figure. In all fairness, she is a minor and not a major donut figure. Um, yeah, that's kind of cute sibling talk, I guess. Even though they're being so mean. <laughs> yeah, she's being such a snob, but it's like a funny line, for sure. <laughs> yeah, she's good at being a snob. <laughs> yeah, and they have like some rum and Pepsi drinking contest or something. Yeah, I didn't really get that game. It's just like saying how many times you should drink <laughs> each time. All right, let's go for five. Ready. Go. How is that a drinking game? Uh, <laughs> I always feel like it's significant when people drink Pepsi in movies. I just feel like that's supposed to mean something. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's Coca-Cola. Or cola. Yeah, I mean, to name check Pepsi specifically. If it means something beyond the Pepsi Corporation paid to have it be Pepsi. I don't know. But yeah, it might I be reading like that in the play. I don't know. If it's like specifically Pepsi in the play. Oh, I don't know. That's interesting. <laughs> Some people are really very particular about that. Like my stepmother, is, she's the kind of person who... And she's a Pepsi person. And if they have only Coke and they say, is Coke okay? She'll say, no, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> That's just so funny to me. Like, it's not that different. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I had a friend in high school who was obsessed with Pepsi being better than Coke. And then one time, my friend who fixed the window, we went and we bought a two-liter bottle of Coke and a two-liter bottle of Pepsi and poured the Coke into the Pepsi bottle and brought it to my house and poured him a glass of Pepsi that was really Coke. Just to prove that it wasn't that big a deal, you know? But he got so mad. To be fair... When he, he did know. first take a sip, he did. He said, "Oh, it tastes different." And then much later, when we told him what <laughs> mm-hmm. we did, he was so mad. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> But so it tasted different, but it wasn't enough of a problem for him at first that he was like, so I can't drink this. Right. I mean, the way he would go on about it, it was like Pepsi is nectar manna from heaven and Coke is straight up piss, you know. (laughs) Yeah. So he had it coming. I liked the line, if people are going to start telling the truth around here, I'm going to bed. Oh, please. People are going to start telling the truth around here. I'm going to bed. Even though it was kind of out of character for her in the sense that she's like the one who's the truth teller. I just thought it was a funny thing to say. (laughs) And I also liked the way she delivered it. She really nailed every line, I think, in that movie. (laughs) I liked how the mom asked. She's like, a person asks a civilized question. And she's talking about herself in the third person. A person offers a little constructive criticism and a person gets lectured on the nature of things. You meant to ask something. I can't think what it is. Um, Anthony, did I make up the guest room? How should I know? person asks a civilized question and a person... I'll go up and check. What else does a suicide need, huh? Now, if you'll excuse me. Did they ever say where their money came from? I wonder that, too. I yeah. wonder that a lot in movies. That was something that my brother used to say was something that he learned from movies is everybody's rich. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. Also, when we watched Terms of Endearment, you know, Aurora's husband died when she was like, what, 35? And then she's somehow set for life. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why nobody seems to need to work and they have this huge house. But Aurora didn't have enough money to give any to, <laughs> to her daughter, but... Yeah, it's interesting. I guess you could get, yeah, but like life insurance settlements are what, like a million dollars? You're going to have to work again at some point. Yeah, they're in McLean, Virginia or something. My impression is it's a very wealthy area outside of D.C. Maybe they're just like old Washington money. I don't know. Yeah, that could be. Like maybe the mom is just rich trust fund lady or something. (laughs) Yeah, who knows? They're old money. Old money, yeah. (laughs) It wasn't really a line, but it was when Parker Posey her reaction to meeting Leslie and hearing they're engaged and she like just gasps and it's like this very manic scream and turns into a laugh. I thought that was really funny. Leslie. This is Jackie O. Hi. My mother. Anthony, meet Leslie. Leslie and I are engaged. (laughs) I have to buy my hairbrush. Yeah, that's a good reaction. It's it's very sustained. It's mostly a scream. (laughs) Like nervous, crazed laughter. Yeah, I mean she can't fucking believe it I think it's like she's just so surprised and angry it's like it's a lot of things going on yeah <laughs> yeah I was surprised that this is the same director as Mean Girls I did not realize that I was surprised by that too Mean Girls I thought that Tina Fey directed Mean Girls she wrote it oh she wrote it 
But yeah, I guess I always thought maybe she directed or I didn't really think about who directed it. I'm not really a big fan of Mean Girls. I don't like Mean Girls really at all. I know it's a favorite for a lot of people. I wonder why he got Tech to direct that. He also did Freaky Friday. Oh. Just like Heaven? I don't know. Is that that Reese <gasps> Really? <laughs> that movie, I remember the trailer so well for that movie because I thought it was like a joke trailer, like it was going to be a record scratch, and then it was going to be some completely different thing. Like that it was a parody trailer in another movie. Because it was so insane sounding. DreamWorks Pictures presents the story of two people finding each other. I'm sensing some pretty intense feelings she has for you, bro. Really? Between the here and the hereafter. I think if you could ever really touch me, I might wake up from all of this. Reese Witherspoon, Mark Ruffalo, and Napoleon Dynamite's John Heater. I'm like 99.9% parched here. Could really use a cola. Just like heaven. It's like Reese Witherspoon is a ghost who falls in love with Mark Ruffalo. So crazy. Wow. Okay. Well, that doesn't elevate him in my mind at all. He's directed a few movies. Not that many that I've heard of. Head Over Heels, Warning Parental Advisory, Freaky Friday, Mean Girls, Just Like Heaven, The Spiderwick Chronicles. Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. Oh, wow. He likes movies about ghosts, huh? Yeah. Mr. Popper's Penguins. Bad Santa 2. And then he's got something this year, Magic Camp. Huh. Well, not one of the greats. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I really wonder why... Yeah. Because I remember reading about Mean Girls. I was excited about it because I really like Tina Fey and her writing, but it just doesn't do it for me. So I of secretly don't like Tina Fey and one of the main things I don't like about Mean Girls is kind of what I don't like about Tina Fey is that I feel like she's kind of well Mean Girls definitely does like a sort of designated hero with Lizzie mm -hmm. Kaplan's character who is just as mean as anybody else in that movie but it's like well you're supposed to like her because she's sort of like the cool goth girl that's like a little different that's not conventionally pretty and thin like everybody else <laughs> she's unconventionally pretty and thin <laughs> right like tina fey herself i feel like tina fey is someone who gets a lot of credit for being a feminist and a lot that's undeserved like i think she is supportive of just a very specific kind of woman like a kind of slut shaming feminist i mean I, I don't feel like the directing has any bearing on what my problems are with Mean Girls. Mm -hmm. I've unfortunately watched it a few times because Lucy really liked it. Oh, no. <laughs> Which I get. I mean, like, for a certain age, I can see why it's really good because it's very, like, Heather's light. Right. This guy's career is kind of mysterious it's to me. It's very all over the place. I looked up Josh Hamilton. He was in Alive before this. And he's, That's like, in some Whit Stillman movies, right? Like, isn't that... Thing. I feel like he must have been in some other indie movie. I thought he was mm -hmm. actually the guy in Spanking the Monkey, okay. which is another incest movie. <laughs> and I'm like, that's <laughs> two incest movies. But no, that's Jeremy Davies. Who oh, yeah, I remember that. Look oh, away. yeah. I think he might have been in that terrible movie about the Harvard kids that. Yes, like in, with honors. Guy or yes, that's right. <laughs> with honors. Yeah. Um, that might have My mom happened. really liked that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Was Matt Damon in it or something? 
No, she just, uh, what is she? She, she, that's just exactly the kind of schmaltzy shit she liked. She probably thought Brendan Fraser was cute in it. And then he's the dad in eighth grade. I haven't seen that, but... Uh, we gotta watch that. I've only seen it once, but it was good. I think you will like it, Jessica, and especially... I love the... I'm not gonna give anything away, but... Christina, remember the kid at the end? I think that Jessica will really like the kid at Oh, the end. yeah. I really like that. <laughs> it's been on my list for a while. I don't know why I've never gotten around to it. I think it's a totally solid movie to watch. How is he in that? Because I just kind of got, like, a real... Is the milk toast the right word? White bread vibe from him. I thought he was good in it. He is, for some reason, a single dad. I don't remember if the mom died or just left. I don't remember. But he is very convincing as a totally clueless dad. He's that character. It's like, you know, I had this daughter, and now suddenly there's this totally mysterious creature in my home that I have no idea how to handle. Mm -hmm. I thought it was kind of endearing. There's that thing with the banana and... He's like, I thought you hate bananas. I even made a little note of it so I wouldn't offer them again because you yelled at me that time. <laughs> <laughs> Banana yeah. thing is actually pretty funny. <laughs> so this is what's called a lunchtime poll. Our lunchtime poll today is which family member do you most want to bone? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> We haven't done a who do you want to bone one in a while. <laughs> Let's not do one now. Oh, well, wait a minute. What if it's someone who's not technically related but has the same last name as you? <laughs> well. <laughs> oh, wink. Uh, no, seriously, guys. The lunchtime poll question is, what era-defining event affected you the most, I guess, growing up? I would say growing up. Unless, is it something recent for you? No. <laughs> I guess just in your whole life. Why not? Just like in your whole life, what's the, what's the one that jumps out the most? There's definitely ones that affected me more, but I want to tell the story of when Reagan got shot. Oh, cool. yeah. I want to hear this. Because <laughs> the thing that stands out for me with this movie is, part of this movie is that they had a major life event the same time as a major world event, which is always interesting <laughs> to me. Like when somebody dies on 9-11, but not because of 9-11. So when I was, I guess this was 81, so I was nine years old. The day that Reagan got shot, I just happened to be staying homesick from school that day. So I was home by myself watching TV, and then they broke into the soap opera I was watching for this news event because Reagan was shot. So here's the thing. You know, as a kid, I had an uncle who was a minor celebrity. He was a gossip columnist. He's the guy that created Page Six. So he was a writer. He would interview celebrities on TV. He was on the nightly news. Not every night, I don't think, but he had a segment sometimes. He had a thing also, you know, Parade Magazine that comes in the newspaper. I love Parade Magazine. <laughs> so on the last page of Parade is a little one-page interview with a celebrity. He was the guy that did those interviews. Oh, wow. A minor celebrity, but because I was a kid and he was my uncle and he was on TV, I thought he was super famous. <laughs> so when Reagan got shot, it was like right away, you get to, it was he was going to be okay. It was a minor injury, but the White House press secretary was shot in the head and was in critical condition. It was a much more severe thing. So his name was James Brady, which was the name of my uncle. <laughs> so I thought that was him, you know, and they're like, James Brady was shot in the head. It's you don't know if I thought that it was my uncle who got shot in the head and I mean I was like a little mm -hmm. confused with like but you know he had the same name and 
when I was a kid. Yeah. My mom was at work, and, you know, this is way before internet, so the phone rings, I go answer, it's my mom. She's at work, and she's like, people are talking, like, is something happening? Are you watching TV? So my mom called to ask me if I knew what was going on. Oh, like, the president gets shot. So then I, like, had to tell her. I'm like, okay, well, mom, I, I don't know why, but they're saying that James Brady got shot. You know, so I'm like, I'm <laughs> And she knew right away, don't worry about it, that's a different person. So good, okay. But, but I always like have held that against John Hinckley a little bit. That for about an hour, I thought my uncle got shot in the head. <laughs> oh my god. So, that's terrifying. Wow, I thought you were going to say that your mom was like, oh my god, Jim! <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because you couldn't Google it or anything. It was a time when information was hard to come by. It's a good thing she called you right away, too. You didn't have to pace the house freaking out for too long. Do you want to go, Christina? Oh, yeah. Well, my news event is the Gainesville murders when I was in sixth grade. Well, it was the summer before sixth grade started, and the University of Florida, the fall session was just beginning, and students were moving into town, and there was a serial killer in in our town, and it was really the first time that I ever felt like really bad things happen in the world and this is really bad and it's right here where I live you know like it was just like anything horrible was just a concept I had never really experienced anything that closely before but Gainesville is just a small sleepy town in north central Florida and there's 40,000 undergrad students there so it's a big college town there were five University of Florida students that were murdered in their apartments it was really gruesome because Danny Rowling he was the murderer the serial killer he would pretend to be like a maintenance worker and he would get let in and then he raped and murdered these young women and he cut off their one of them cut off their head and posed it and Ugh. just really grisly murders. I mean, the whole town was really paralyzed by it. We weren't allowed to ride our bikes anymore because our parents thought we would disappear. I mean, my cousin was dating someone. She worked at a Holiday Inn. I mean, this was over a period of two weeks, I think, the murders happened, but he would meet her after her shift and walk her from her work to her car in the parking lot because it was that scary. Nobody wanted to be alone. And being a kid and not really understanding everything, but hearing little bits and pieces, oh, I heard that he did this to the bodies. And if you go anywhere and it's a small town, you know, the apartment complexes that it happened in. One of them was in the Gatorwood Apartments. Everything is called Gator something in Gainesville because <laughs> it's the Florida Gators, by the way. But just knowing where all the murders happened and not being able to escape any of it and seeing mobile crime labs being set up in your town on the news, it was very surreal. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you? I was about 11 when it happened, and I was really into saving the newspapers around that time because I thought somehow this is important. I don't know. I I really like true crime stuff anyway. (laughs) I don't know if that started it. Who knows? But it was just a really weird, surreal thing to happen. I've read that Kevin Williamson thought about the Gainesville murders when he made Scream. I don't know how much (laughs) truth there is to that because I know he's based it on a lot of older movies like Halloween and Friday the 13th, but supposedly he was influenced a little bit by it. But for the longest time, whenever people asked me where I was from, they were like, oh, that's where all the murders happened. Oh, God. I don't get that anymore, but... Did they catch him eventually? 
Yeah, they caught him. He was executed in 2006. It took a while. I mean, it was the whole month of August. The whole town was wrapped up in this. I think they might have delayed the university session. A lot of people were running away, not starting at UF. A lot of people were buying guns. And oh, God. It was just a really weird time. Was it just all co-ed? Yeah, it was all young women, like 18 to 23. It was all like young college students. And one guy was killed because he and his girlfriend shared an apartment. They were both 23. So he just got in the way. Yeah, he just got in the way. So he was killed. There's still a memorial. The 34th Street Wall in Gainesville is this huge wall that everybody graffitis over and over and over. But there's one portion of the wall that has all of the names of the victims and Everybody knows not to graffiti over that, and somehow it's always just honored. Nobody messes with that part of the wall. Yeah, I think that was my first experience of evil actually being a real thing and existing in the world and just really scary. (laughs) Yeah. That was mine. <sighs> <Whew>. <laughs> mine is just going to seem really lame, I guess, now. It was just Kurt Cobain killing himself. I was a really big Nirvana fan, and, you know, I spent a lot of time listening to his music in the dark and reading his lyrics and feeling things deeply. And I remember my mom picking me up from school. It was on a Friday, and she was like, I think that one of the singers you like died and I was like which one and she of course didn't remember (laughs) so we turned on NPR and it was on NPR which is a big deal (laughs) it was like I was not used to things I was interested in being on NPR at the time and so then I was crying in the car and then as soon as I got home I called my best friend and we talked on the phone and we like watched MTV together kind of in silence pretty much the whole weekend it seemed like we were just like on the phone watching MTV news and We watched The Vigil on MTV and cried and tried to make sense of it. It was shocking because, you know, there were lots of artists I listened to that sung about pain and no one ever that I knew had gone to those extremes, you know. It was like Trent Reznor wasn't going to kill himself even though he seemed really sad. So it just kind of was hard for me to wrap my mind around putting your money where your mouth is, I guess, in terms of how bad you feel about yourself. I don't know. It really took me a very long time to even be able to think about it without starting to cry. It was just very upsetting to me. How old were you when that happened? uh, I think I was like 16, 94, so yeah, I must have been 16. Yeah. (laughs) I know, I was thinking like, so I'm like, this is going to be a bummer one, because when is there ever like a major news story that's... That is a good point. think of one but i mean i guess for some people like the moon landing is like a thing that people remember that's true not a negative everyone watched that was the last great thing we did it's just the <laughs> shit since I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just like i didn't know there was more than one until that thing in the sack lunch which, <laughs> yeah, which one there were many <laughs> there were many <laughs> very long time ago. <laughs> I mean, I'm old enough to remember that. We all remember it, right? Or am I mm-hmm. the only one old enough to remember? No, I remember. I remember David Hasselhoff singing. Yeah. Looking <laughs> for freedom. <laughs> They're chipping it away. I remember the hostages being 
released. The one's from Argo. <laughs> what, what does Argo mean? I don't know. You don't know? It means Argo fucked herself. I remember that. Like, I remember that being in school and the teacher coming in and saying, people knew that was coming. They were going to be coming in and saying, the hostages are airborne and everybody cheering. Oh, well, I don't remember that happening. For well, I years. was in third grade. I mean, I just yeah. remember that teacher. So how old are you in third grade? Of nine, I guess that happened in third grade. Yeah, oh my yeah, god. just babies when I was nine. Yeah. The baby Jessica and the yes. <laughs> when they got her out. That one I remember vividly. I guess I was kind of happy. It was a happy end to a tragic thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Was there any other positive one? Even the last 20 years? That's good. <laughs> Lady Dies Wedding? I don't know. <laughs> Overshadowed by Lady Dies Murder. <laughs> hey. Hey. Um, yeah, God, what is good? Gay marriage. Gay marriage, yeah. Not as a specific event because it was sort of incremental. Right. Prop eight overturning. That was pretty great. Oh yeah, yeah. Because that was kind of like the first step. But I think by then you could get married in Vermont or. Yeah. Legal weed? <laughs> that is good, yeah. That's yeah. pretty great. It's not federal. Right. I guess, yeah, that's the thing. Most good things don't happen all at once. Right. That's just not how it works here. Ugh, now I really want to think of, like, a really good I, one. I, We've just been living in this pit of despair for so long. Well, it's rare. Like, what is something that would become a major worldwide or nationwide news story that's positive, you know? <laughs> Donald Trump assassinated. <laughs> or just dies of coronavirus. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Maybe there'll be a vaccine, a corona vaccine. That'll be a major positive news event. Yeah, maybe that will happen. All we can do is hope that something good will happen someday. <laughs> I know, it's so sad, right? <laughs> There's gotta be something, my god. Maybe eventually things won't suck as bad. I don't know. No. That's not great. No, we can't think of anything that happened recently at all. Remember in 2016 how everything was terrible all year and then it ends with Donald Trump becoming president. But that whole year, Laura was having, like, the best year of her life. It's so off-topic all year. <laughs> what is it? It's the greatest year. Yeah. <laughs> they Bill, and they got pregnant, and bought a house, and all that. She was on top of the world that year. <laughs> it's too bad the rest of the world was not keeping up. It was like she had to keep it quiet a little bit. That was so crazy. And then how that year went out on the note of... Oh, by the way, also Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds and George Michael are all dead, too. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, that was... That year's problem, my God. Yeah, that was a terrible year. How very. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) What should we watch next time? (laughs) Something happy, maybe. I'm up for whatever. Do you want to watch 8th grade? Oh, yeah, sure. That's a good idea. I mean, it seems like that has a lot of potential to not be very happy. But you guys have seen it, so you tell me. I think it's true to the time that it is not a year that someone will remember as the best year of her life. But I don't think it's overall a downer of a movie. Okay. Would you agree with that, Christina? Yeah, I don't think it's a downer. It's like... I remember feeling mortified. You could not pay me to be in middle school ever again. One of the secondhand embarrassment movies, some moments of that, but I thought it was really good. 
And I would say it doesn't end on a downer note at all. All right. Well, let's do that then. We'll have some weird Josh Hamilton fest. <laughs> it's funny how tangential this season has been, actually. <laughs> that would actually be kind of fun to do something like that where it's like connect one to another. Yeah. I mean, we really kind of had done that this season, but yeah, like maybe we should next season literally do that. Yeah, that'd be fun. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid and Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid and Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid and Puke Pod. Or join us on Facebook at Paid and Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.